Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. remember what we're doing in this particular series that is meant to help us take a critical look at our own lives is examining some of the interactions that that Jesus had with the religious people of his day to to see what these holy men might just have to teach us about missing the point. And so now that we have spent the last three weeks kind of wrestling with some of the ways that the Pharisees got it wrong today and to close this series out in a way that I think will help all of us do a much better job and not making the same kind of mistakes, which is very important, is I want to show you a brilliant move one of the most famous Pharisees made that finally kept the Jewish leaders from getting in God's way, which is something that that I think you're going to find we all need to practice a little bit more in our own lives. So to get into this particular episode, you need to know that all of this is taking place after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In that, after the Pentecost event, after God pours out his spirit on all flesh, Jesus' disciples are now out in the world proclaiming the gospel in bold ways. Here is just a taste of some of the amazing things that God was doing through his disciples. It says in Acts 12, 6 through 16, Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles. Yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, great number of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats in order that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he came by. Or as you can see, after they're filled with God's Spirit, these disciples, without any kind of reservation or fear, which is much different than who they were before the resurrection, right? They're out proclaiming this gospel boldly, healing every single person they encounter, which is absolutely Amazing. I mean, I'm sure at this time Jerusalem was stirring with activity like, hey, this guy they killed has actually been raised. And look at these disciples out there proclaiming this resurrection. And given that, you would think that as the Jewish leaders watched all of this going on right before their eyes, they would finally come to their senses and see that what is going on here has to be from God. Because how else can you explain all of these things that are going on around Jerusalem? And yet, just like they did with Jesus, their response is not to accept, but to reject. Or predictably, the Jewish leaders do this. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were there with him, that is the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. Or as you can see... To keep these disciples from going out and continuing to do all this amazingness, they throw them into prison to silence them. And yet as the Jewish leaders do that, or do what they think they need to do to quiet down this movement so things can go back to normal, God in response does this to show them that this movement is not going to be stopped no matter what you try to do. So during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, go stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. Or God shows up into this moment when they're in prison, right? Facing, who knows what they're facing. It could be death, it could be anything at this point. And he sets them free to go back out into the world and continue to do what they are doing. Which, by the way, is something that happens without the Jewish leaders knowing anything about it. 
Because on the very next day, when the high priest and those with them arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But the temple, but when the temple police went there, they did not find them in prison. Or the Jewish leaders, as they gather the next morning and they're going to try these guys, they're going to put them on trial and see what they're going to do. They're surprised that they're not in prison anymore, but God has set them free and they're now out in the temple proclaiming the gospel. But of course, when the Jewish leaders hear about this, they still don't get that what's going on has to be from God. That's what's going on here. No, they drag the disciples back in to finish what they started. And what happens as they bring them back in or as they begin to confront and question the disciples regarding what they're doing and how they're making a mess of everything according to them is in response, Peter, the leader of this group, in spite of what he's up against, in spite the fact that his life is on the line, he doesn't back down, he doesn't shy away but proclaims the gospel boldly, calling the Jewish leaders out for their own sins. And how many of you guys know what happens when you find a really religious person and you point out their sins? How do they respond? It's not usually repentance or I am wrong. No, this is the way they respond. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. Or like it happened with Jesus, the Jewish leaders have now gotten to the point where they are going to have the disciples killed. Every last one of them, to solve this problem, they're finally going to take them out. And yet, and yet, just when it seems the disciples are going to suffer the same fate as their leader, from out of nowhere, this happens. But a Pharisee, note that, but a Pharisee, in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside the room for a short time. Then he said to them, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. Now, what you need to know about Gamaliel, is he, he's not just your ordinary run-of-the-mill Pharisee. No, Gamaliel's a Pharisee of Pharisee. In a sense, he's the Pope, the leader of all the Pharisees, which means not only is he on the highest court in the land for the Jewish people, but he is someone who's respected by all. In fact, he's one of those people that when he begins to talk, everybody stops and listens. And what Gamaliel does as he stands up to address all the other Jewish leaders regarding what to do with the disciples is surprisingly, he doesn't say we need to kill them, but he does this. Fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Thutius rose up claiming to be someone, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After Judas, after that, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So, in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But, and this is the big but, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found to be fighting against God. Or what this Pharisees, uh, Pharisees is arguing here in light of all that the disciples are doing is, hey guys, instead of taking them out like we did with Jesus, hoping that was going to end everything, why don't we just let them go and let God take care of it? 
And all because if this movement is not of God, then just like happened with all those other movements, it'll eventually die out and go away. But if it is of God, or if this is something new that God is doing through them, then it doesn't matter what we do. We're not going to be able to stop it. And even worse than that, we're going to end up fighting against God in the name of God. So let's just let them go and let God take care of it. And with that, these men who were ready to kill the disciples... They were convinced by what he said. They end up letting the disciples go to go out and do what they do. Or or what I want you to notice here, the ironic thing, right? We've been talking about the Pharisees doing nothing but trying to stop this movement this entire time. And yet here what we find is a Pharisee is the one who actually ends up saving the disciples' lives. The Pharisee is the one who gives them the ability to go back out in the world and continue to proclaim the gospel message, which I just think is absolutely mind-blowing, right? Now, what I love about this particular episode in regards to what it has to teach us about not making the same mistake the Pharisees did, or about how not to fight against God, is it offers us a way of thinking, a kind of paradigm to use, not all the time, but in a whole lot of circumstances, regarding how we as modern-day Christians should confront and deal with encountering things that, that seem suspicious or wrong to us. And that basic paradigm is this. The next time we come across people doing something in the name of God that seems a bit strange to us, our first response shouldn't be to automatically condemn and go to war with them, which is what everyone likes to do these days. Let's be honest. Everybody's at everybody's throat, right? We we don't let anything go. We just go after them. So according to Gamaliel, what we need to do a better job of in a whole lot of cases is we simply need to learn to let go and let God. How many of you guys have heard that statement before? Right? We simply need to learn to let go And let God, or we need to learn how to step back, allow those people to continue to do what they're doing, even if what they're doing doesn't seem right to us, trusting that if it's something of God, then it will thrive no matter what we do. But if it's not something of God, it's just going to die out on its own or, or God is going to take care of it. Do you guys see the brilliance of that simple little paradigm and not only how it works in the church, but how it can work for our lives? Well, to make this a little bit more practical. Let me give you an example of how this church has worked for us and how it is a kind of foundational thing that happened here to get us where we are. So for those of you who were here, I want you to think back to about five years ago when we decided to start The Refuge. And for those of you who don't know, The Refuge is our uh, service in the back. So what happened when we started having conversations about doing this new thing is that there were a whole lot of people in this congregation um, who weren't quite on board with this new thing that we were trying to do. It was strange to them. It was even dangerous. Some, some even saw it as a threat to the entire church. But what I experienced from a whole lot of people who didn't, either know, who didn't know what to think or, or didn't think it was going to work or who were completely and totally against it is instead of those people standing up and going to war with those of us who not only wanted it but felt that God was calling us to do it, most of those people, intentionally or not, they took Gamaliel's advice of letting go and letting God. Or instead of stepping up and trying to shut this new thing down, which, by the way, is what happens in most churches. In fact, I would argue that most churches today that are struggling are churches that are not willing to practice this paradigm, or churches that are not willing to make room for God to do new things in their midst. And so what happens when God is not able to do these new things is churches continue to shrink. So instead of stepping up and shutting down this new thing, Our people, some of our people, stepped back 
and allowed things to unfold, basically with the mindset, if it's from God, it's not going to fail. In fact, it's going to help this church. But if it is from God, it's going to fail. And we'll just kind of move on. Or as one particular individual said to me during all of this stuff, and, and this kind of sounds harsh, but I'm really good friends with this person. They said, hey, hey, pastor, I really don't think God is calling us to do this. And I really do think it's going to fail. But I've been wrong before. <laughs> and it can't hurt to try. So let's see what happens. And as a result of that wisdom, which seems strange to us, we were able to take the risk and start a new service. And as you all have experienced, after a slow and shaky start and some ups and downs and in-betweens, not only has the refuge grown to the point where it's time for us to build a new worship space, which we're working on right now and very excited about, but it's also the case because of the success of the refuge, every other area of our church has seen remarkable growth in life. I mean, kids areas, uh, right? Bible studies, anything that we do Wednesday night, everything is filled with more and more people, more people getting involved. And why that's so significant to see is because if those people who disagreed with us would have shut us down or not allowed any of this to happen, like with the Pharisees doing to Jesus and his disciples, not only would they have kept this venture from happening, but ultimately, in a sense, they would have been fighting against God doing something to help this church thrive. Which again, by the way, is what most churches are doing today, saying no to trying new things. Or to, to really help you get at, at the weight of this paradigm, the power of this paradigm, I want you to take a moment and try to imagine what this church would be like right now if we never took that risk. And it was a risk. We didn't know what was going to happen, right? What would things look like around here if we didn't start the refuge? Well, to kind of put that into perspective, before the refuge, we were averaging right at 200 on Sunday morning, which, by the way, was amazing, and we were growing and doing great things. But what happens when you take into account that what's going on in most churches today who are not willing to make the changes necessary to meet people where they are? I don't think it's a stretch to say that if we would have kept doing the same old thing, expecting different results, then we, like most churches, would, would be on the decline as well. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie on that. It's absolutely amazing what's happening in churches all over the country. And yet, because many of you practice the Gamaliel paradigm, we are now averaging around 330 people on Sunday morning, making us not only the biggest disciples church in the state of Kansas, but one of the biggest and fastest growing churches in our denomination in the country, which is absolutely mind-blowing, right? And what makes this even more remarkable, right, is so you're going to find growing churches and all that stuff in suburbs and in cities where all those people are. We're doing it here in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, where they say you can't do it. When God shows up and we listen, amazing things can happen, right? So do you see that principle at work there and how just kind of letting go and letting God allow something to be birthed that you, you, you might not have thought was right in the first place? Okay, so, so maybe to make this a little bit more personal, I want you to think about all those things in your life that you've gotten worked up about uh, because they seem to be such a big deal in the moment. And yet now, after you wasted all that time, they're not even a blip on your radar. How many of you guys have ever wasted time worrying about or fighting against something that really didn't matter and faded away, right? Or how much time have you wasted 
fighting against things that in the big picture don't really matter. Now, please don't hear me saying that we need to practice this paradigm in all places, right? Of course, there are moments and there are things in this world where God is calling up to stand up and fight back. There's no doubt about that. So please don't hear me. We're supposed to do that in all times and all places. But even though that's said, I think there are a whole lot of things in this life where we need to do a whole lot better job of letting go and letting God. Yeah? Or how many of you at this very moment, now that we're talking about this, have something in mind where you just need to let it go? Anybody? Now, when you think about the big picture of all of this stuff, not only will it help us in this church to go out and try new things, and if it fails, great, we're going to learn from that failure and get up. But if it doesn't fail, it helps us to, to move on. Not only does that help us, the Gamaliel paradigm help us there, but I think even more than that, in every single one of your lives, if you will get up and begin to, to look at the world in a way that it's, I need to let go and let God, that's going to free you up there's a whole lot of stuff you're worried about or fighting against that you don't need to worry about it. And it's going to give you the energy and the life to do the things that God has called you to do. So now that you guys are getting all of that in your head, what I propose moving forward for all of us is that in order not to make the same mistake the Pharisees did, right? Getting in God's way, fighting against God in God's name, becoming like other churches. I think we need to begin to practice this Gamaliel paradigm more often. We need to become the kind of people, stop wasting our time fighting against those things we don't like or that don't really matter, and instead, learn how to let go and let God. Because ultimately what this is all about, right, is trusting God. It's trusting God. It's letting go and allowing God to do what God does. In that if it's supposed to be, then God is going to see it through. But if it's not, then it's just going to fade away. I promise you guys, if you will practice this, if you'll get up and say it every single day, it will set you free in ways that you've never imagined. Let go and let God and see what happens. Let us pray. Father, now that we have worked our way through uh, this series, my prayer is, is that you'll help us not to become the religious Pharisees of our own day. You'll help us not to get in the way of what it is that you're trying to do in the world because we think we know better. And as we close this series out with, with what Gamaliel has to say, Lord, help us to learn to live this paradigm. Help us to become the kind of people that if there's something in this world that we need to fight against and all that stuff that you put us in that direction, but for all of the other stuff, you'll teach us how to let go and let you take control. Or, or you'll teach us how to trust you in this life and beyond. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.